Welcome back, everyone, to the Shock Absorber podcast. It is, as always, wonderful to have you along with us. I say that every time now. <laughs> uh, Tim, joining us again, as Thank always. You. One of our regular co-hosts and one of our irregular co-hosts. <laughs> irregular <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> Mind, body and spirit. <laughs> uh, Brayden, welcome. Thank you. It's very nice to have you on here. It's nice to jump over from Chip Lunch to yes. this one. Yes. So like cross-promotion, like the Marvel Universe. Or That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah, intersecting yeah, worlds. Like it's like the TV shows that like cross over, so you have to watch both yeah, to understand yeah. what's going on. Yeah. That's really confusing. I mean, what shows actually do that? Oh, a lot of sitcoms used to do it, didn't they? Yeah, uh, so, yeah, sitcoms used to, and then sometimes when you have a spin-off show, so yeah. the, the one like that I'm thinking of um, oh. when I was in high school was you're, you're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and all of a sudden Angel goes off and creates his own little, takes a few characters with him, start a new show, and <laughs> you could kind of watch them out of sync, but every now and then they'd mm. come back into each other's worlds, and yeah. you had to know um, where you were in the series. Better Call Saul is a spin-off from Breaking Bad. Yeah, not that I haven't watched either one, but yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? You haven't watched any I've of watched Breaking Bad, but it made me too sad to keep going. I think it's actually similar. I remember <laughs> I was watching it the first season with my wife, and she said she had a really random dream where I served her like someone's ribs for dinner. <laughs> I was like, you have... She still has weird dreams, man. Right. But yeah, like just... Is that a? Re- I, haven't, I haven't watched the show. Is that a reference <laughs> to the show? Not really. That's Not really? why it was okay. confusing because it was like it's Just a dark. It's say. dark. It's very dark. Breaking okay. Bad, but the, there's also uh, quite dark humor in it okay. as well. Mm. So pair that with my wife's ability to have very odd dreams about things that are supposedly related to something. There you go. That was uh, what happened there, mm. really. But uh, Brandon, we've got you on for a particular reason. Not yeah. just not just because you're not a pretty face. Oh, I was about to say that. <laughs> yes, got him. We're on the same way yeah, today. Right. It's good science. Uh, is because uh, you are currently at, you're our student pastor. Yep. Currently at college. Yep. And you had an interesting thing come out of college. Is it today? Yeah. Yeah. So it was Fresh. this afternoon. So Hot we were chatting about. Um, we've been chatting about church in some of our lectures and wow, what church is, why we. Why it looks like it does, or things similar to that, and we were chatting today about um, why do we go to church? Like, what is mm. the point of Christians going to church? And an interesting um, statistic that of that is that um, in our part of the world, and like an average church-going Christian goes once a month, which mm. raises an interesting question of like. Or why why is it important? I guess the better question is why is it important to be regular at church? Yeah, why to why, try and be there as much as you can. Why would we want to change that figure? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. And and why does it matter if you're not there? Mm. And that's I mean, we kind of knew we were going to talk about this before we jumped on this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> we were trying to think of a cultural it's artifact. Like, what? <laughs> and we couldn't really think of one that was completely applicable, but we thought, you know, the the, there's the idea of being in a family. Yeah. And we all kind of came up with our, uh, certain ideas. Tim, what was yours? Sorry. The I was thinking about The Incredibles. But why did you think of that? Well, because they're a family. Um, <laughs> they're a <laughs> pretty basic. Family. It wasn't a very, um, it wasn't a, a, large, a large jump between the two. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, just, they're, a, they're a family. Um, they're diverse. Uh, they've all got their different abilities, different skills. Um, yeah, they need to work through issues that they have. Um, but the fact that they are a family means they actually don't – they don't have the option to not be together, um, oh. which I think might be interesting. That might yeah. be a, a tag. I'm thinking of this on the run. Mm. Uh, I like it though. And so, so they are 
even though they have their, fam- their, their fights and, you know, a lot of the um, tension in the movies is, the, is between those characters within the family um, and yet family is just really significant for who they are and they um, will fight for each other. Uh, and there's a lot of, I mean, within that sort of superhero world, there's a lot of families or pseudo-families that kind of work the same way. Um, I remember reading some uh, some deep think pieces about the Fantastic Four as another mm. sort of pseudo-family um, within the Marvel world uh, who are you know, really tight, tight-knit. Um, some of them are related, but most of them aren't. And so there's you know, just the interaction that exists between the Fantastic Four, but their idea of family is another. Mm. So... And I think that that will play in a lot in when we talk about church because of this connection with the language that the New Testament uses about who we are as those who are reconciled to God, um, the reconciliation that that brings between each other and family, household language is used quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, as we talk about that. Mm. Uh, I was trying to think of a fam- sticking with the family motif and I, <laughs> you guys said, no, this isn't that good, but I was saying that <laughs> I like gangster movies. And how you always like if you're in the family, in an organised crime family, yeah, like you can't get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Godfather. Uh, we talked about Sopranos. There's all what are there's Donnie Brasco. Yeah, all those kind Good of films. Fellas. Good fellas. Yeah, I enjoy those movies, but I think I'm not really sure why. But they're not really ideal family scenarios. <laughs> given how, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, if you if you choosing to get out, they'll probably knock you off. So that's, <laughs> whack him. Yeah, that's yeah. They'll give you yeah. They'll whack him. Um, but the similar thing is that like once you're in, you can't get out and you're kind of, uh, what did you say, Tim? You're like kind of locked in to actually being part of the family. It's, it's not an option. That's what you said. Yeah, it's, it's not, not, it's not, it's optional. not optional. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's what I, what I went through. And did you have any, Brad? Yeah, I think I was thinking along the lines again, along the lines of family and thinking of things like Christmas dinner. Or <laughs> yes. like, you know what I mean? Like, there's always someone at Christmas. Yeah, and like, Christmas obviously, that you people don't enjoy that much. Yeah, people have different experiences of Christmas, and <laughs> yeah. some more positive than others, and other things. But like, yeah, you think about um, coming together at a time and uh, meeting as a family, and what that looks like. It looks like many different things, but also, um, yeah, the the aspect of you kind of have to, <laughs> but. Um, you also glean things out of that and there's also um, the things aspects of it are missed if everyone isn't there does that make oh, sense so like yep. um, the the idea that if everyone isn't present then it's somehow diminished I think that's the the line I'm trying to draw to church right. is that just even just your presence is adding to the idea is adding to the experience of everyone that is there. Okay. And then so perhaps we've talked about individualism and consumerism affecting church a lot. Yeah. That is almost at odds with what you're saying there, isn't it? Mm. It's that if I don't have to give up anything, if I don't if I don't get anything out of it, I don't have to go and contribute yeah. as well. Is that something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. And then like as Australia gets higher, like it is already like very high on individualism individualism over corporate um as that shift changes as well what's that going to look like how's that affecting church is it mm. same way it's affecting society in mm. lots of different ways um i heard interestingly enough someone bring up that 
things like the Freemasons or men's clubs have dropped even more drastically than, say, church attendances have dropped over the last 20, 30 years in the same way. And how will that affect people's lives not being in like any kind of voluntary groups like that, which I find very interesting. Because volunteering means you have to give something up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Tim, do you think that, you know how we talk about in cultural, we've talked about cultural a lot on this podcast. Do you think that, the, and we talk about how the pendulum swings sometimes a bit too far the other way as a reaction to what's happening in culture. Do you think, have you seen any instances of culture swinging back the other way against individualism in the last 10 years because we, we, we keep saying we're trending towards more and more individualism but do you think there is also a shift by some sectors of the community or society to say no we're actually not going to do that well i think that people uh people want community seeking it they, they seek community and when these what have been, uh, particularly in the West, traditional forms of community, which are often through clubs and societies and also churches, mm. um, that when they kind of fall apart, and, and there's, a, there's a big trend there um, against, you know, railing against institutions. So we don't trust institutions. So whether it be established religious institutions, whether it be uh, community institutions like YMCAs, um, whether it be, you know, religious or pseudo-religious like, yeah, men's or what, what did you say? The uh, Freemason. Freemason kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, men's shed. Or even, yeah. One, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But unions, people, mm. yeah, trade unions, unions, trade unions, yeah. yeah like yeah. even those kinds of things. Like we um, we sort of shy away from those things. But people are always looking for community. So you have other examples come up. So men's shed is a good example where um, a lot of um, secular groups but also religious uh, church-based groups have done like a men's shed thing to try and get men into relationship with each other uh, and to talk and share with each other. Um, things that like people get really excited about, it might be their their gym group or it might be... Mm, I, um, see, I see that a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've blanked on the... the what, What's that extreme workout? CrossFit. CrossFit. Okay, yeah. So people get super passionate about CrossFit and a large part of that is because CrossFit in the way that it is structured, is structured to be highly relational and engaged. And so you, you're there for a long time. Supportive. You're there regularly. Mm-hmm. You're supportive. You're working hard. You're pushing towards a particular agenda yourself but also others. Um, and so you do have those kinds of mm-hmm. communities. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't trained properly in uh, martial arts for probably about 15, 18 months. But when I was there, that again was another kind of little community. We saw each other a couple of times a week. We'd, you know, once a term or so, we'd go out for dinner together. Like there were ways in which we found that community valuable. And I think personally, I've always struggled with those other places of community because the church community is, takes, uh, takes so much of my time uh, you know, in a positive way. Like I choose to make church and all the things that we do at church a significant part of my community. But I also recognise that for some of those other crew, uh, the that martial arts group might be the one of the only expressions of community that they have. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's really important and they will spend more time investing in those relationships than I either wanted to or had time to because for them it was their only community. But people are finding ways of doing that community, but sometimes it's not through those structures, uh, it was through other forms. But people are searching for it 
Um, and, and to the extent that it uh, develop, the community develops friendship. So we talk a lot about friendship at this church mm. and um, there's been some interesting talk in the last uh, couple of years about the friendship recession. So mm. the fact that you know, there's not enough friendship, people are losing friendships. Um, it's across um, genders and age, but it, there's a lot of the writing that I've particularly seen has been about the loss of male friendship yep. as well. And there was uh, one, uh, one author, Richard Reeves, um, has written about how loneliness, which is the end point of a friendship recession, uh, to be lonely is as harmful as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And so it, in terms of the outcomes, in terms of the health outcomes, the mental health outcomes, um, the, even the life expectancy of someone who's lonely is reduced to those who actually have full community. Uh, you were talking last week, Joel, about uh, blue zones. Yes. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that's in the blue zone, that we talked about the community and the friendship and the relationships that exist there and how key that is mm. to longevity uh, in those areas. So, yeah. so, yeah, so I do, there is recession of relationship, community, those kind of spaces. There are people trying to find it in all sorts of ways, mm. but the lack of structure and the lack of some of those institutions that have existed in the past have meant that it can be really hard to get into and, and find the right place. Um, so I think that's kind of, that's what I've seen recently. No, I think you're right. I think we're always seeking community. And I think of, because um, I'm a big football fan, as, as Braden is too, about how a lot of migrant communities who came over to Australia in around the 50s coalesced around uh clubs that were created for their particular background right and that's where a lot of the football clubs that we know in around sydney for example came out of i think of uh, marconi so there's the marconi club that has a very much an italian heritage then uh, there's a club called south melbourne football club that has a very greek strong greek heritage and it's where if anyone's wondering Ange postacoglu who's now in charge of tottenham hotspur in the premier league he actually played there and coached there and then went off into the rest of his coaching career. But just as an example, it's interesting how if we if if we we don't actually want to be alone, mm. and even and because of that loneliness epidemic uh, epidemic, thank you, is saying how unhealthy it is. I think it's interesting to think about why why are we convinced that we it's okay to be alone but we are not responding to it well. Mm. Got an answer for that, do you think? Phrase it again. So it's almost like there's a cultural uh, imperative that it's okay for us, for us to be alone. Uh, and maybe this is where we can start talking about online communities as well. But I think what I'm trying to say is I think we are made to be in community. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there is an imperative within us to think that we still need to be in community and then when we're lonely, it's really unhealthy for us? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I think that there is a helpful push towards saying, like it comes from a helpful place of people saying that you're enough and you're they're tr trying to make people more independent and saying that they they can solve things themselves mm. and they don't need to be dependent on other they're people worthy. and they're worthy. Mm. And that comes from a place that I think is a kickback of a really big problem of um, people being um, 
yeah, people being victimized or things like that. And so they've pushed the other way to try and make people more individual and feel like they don't need other people's approval or things like that. Which is, I think there's that is some truth back. to that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's when things get interesting is when um, there, there is some truth to things and people mean well and then things kind of swing back the other way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the the kickback of as we become more individual mm. in our goals and in our mind is of course going to be that loneliness aspect. I guess, where am I trying to go with this? I guess the um, the point I'm trying to make is that the shift that way is for some valid reasons and um, is also being allowed through technology and um, the time in which we live. And there's going to be positives to that, that people can exist outside of social structures that maybe they wouldn't have been able to exist outside of previously. And um, But that is also going to have its consequences, which we're seeing now more and more. And I think it also allows for people to exist in a space where they actually don't have to interact very much at all or limit those interactions or then are forced not to have those not to have interactions so therefore the ones they do have to have they have to think about more and stress more like i just think i think of i grew up in a generation where you still had to call someone's home phone if you wanted to talk to them like i i by the end of high school that was no longer a thing but I think about my friends who are a little bit younger than me, they get very, very stressed by phone calls. Mm. The idea of calling someone rather than texting something, someone becomes massive, mm. which I find, which is super interesting because uh, like the whole generation above us does not care about it whatsoever. It will happily call someone, happily pick up a phone, doesn't find that a relationship. And it's also really interesting about what you said about <laughs> calling the home phone. Yeah. It was even more anxiety inducing. Yeah. Uh, objectively when you didn't know who was going to pick, pick up. up. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now you know exactly who it is you're calling. You're not going to yeah. get their mum. Yeah. You're not going to get their older brother. You're not going to get someone else in the household. You're <laughs> going to get the exact person that mm. you're trying to contact. Yeah. So objectively you should be less anxious yeah. about making the phone call. Yeah. But it is interesting that we've become more anxious yeah. about that. Is that because we're used to controlling... Like because of that fact, is like I can I can call that person. Oh, maybe not, but it's controlling the outcome. We can't control the outcome if we have to call someone. We can't mm. control what they're going to say. But if I send the yeah. text, I've done what I want to say, and their reaction is almost on them, and I don't have to deal with it. Mm. But the problem is that with text, it lends itself to being misinterpreted anyway. Yeah, but That's you can be really more thoughtful in response and take time. Yeah, you can read over it a number yeah, of times rather yeah. than if you're on a phone call any more than a pause of five seconds is like, this is a weird conversation. <laughs> or a podcast. <laughs> or a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we went off track there. But yeah, yeah but what do you think that, Tim, that we, we don't like being lonely but we think we are okay to be alone all the time? Yeah, I'm not sure if we... Uh, I question the comment that we, we like to be... We, we think it's okay to be alone. I, I mm. think, I wonder what- We don't know whether, how to be alone. Well, we, yeah, I wonder whether it's because of our, the way we, we're hyper-individualized and also alongside of that, you have this 
uh, expressive individualism, uh, which is a, a term which means that my psychological understanding of myself is the core to my identity. So that in itself is, is very individualised. But also what it means is if someone makes me feel a little awkward or uncomfortable, uh, it's not healthy for me to be around that person. Because so that's my truth. The, yeah, yeah. So yeah. My, my deepest understanding of myself is my psychological self. Mm. Uh, and therefore, if I feel a little bit uncomfortable put out or someone impinges upon me, in a way that I don't appreciate, then uh, I shouldn't be forced to hang around that person. And so there's a lot of conversation in um, just in the social air about uh, toxic relationships. Um, and absolutely, you can have people that you should not be around because yeah. they are unsafe for a number of reasons. But uh, with our looseness of language, I think we also just use this word toxic just to throw around and say, oh, I just don't like hanging around Particular types of people yeah. but the thing is that as soon as you are with another person uh, you are automatically not the only one in that relationship and if both people even in just a you know a two-person relationship insists upon their own uh, expressive individualism and gives no ground to the other person mm. then you are going to end up being alone because no other person is exactly like you uh, and therefore they are going to make demands on you now you know, times that exponentially when you put yourself in community mm. and you actually have lots of other people who are making demands on your time. So family is a good example that there's lots of people making demands on your time when you're in a family because you're not the only one there. Yeah. So you have to accommodate to other people's interests, mm. values, things. Um, a really silly example, but when uh, our kids were coming through primary school, we wanted to try and do a weekly movie night uh, and we set uh, up a rhythm that each week a different member of the family would pick the movie. And so it meant that, you know, sometimes we watch movies that I really did not like <laughs> and were really, really dumb. <laughs> but I was accommodating myself to my eight-year-old picking a movie that they'd seen, some little cartoon frame on Netflix and thought, oh, let's watch this. And you're just sitting there as a parent going, oh, my goodness, this is the worst thing I've ever Like, I want to poke my eyes out with a blunt spoon kind of thing. <laughs> but you, you accommodate because you're in family, right? Mm. And so there are going to be times when you have to do things and put yourself out. But when we have so prioritised a psychological understanding of self uh, and that n it, it's not right and it's unhealthy for anyone else to impinge mm. on that, it makes other person relationships really, really hard, uh, which is why pe I think people go to the internet because they try and find people who are more like them. And it yeah. might be that there's someone in Portland or you know, Uruguay or like, you know, pick some random place on the geography of the planet that I can connect to over social media who is much more like me mm. than anyone who lives in my geographic area. And yeah. so therefore I feel psychologically safer mm -hmm. being with that person online than I do with actual real people here. But if you're right, Joel, that we are created to actually be in community and God's created us to be an incarnate community with actual other people. Yeah. Proximity. Proximity. Mm -hmm. Then those relationships are going to fail, which yeah. is why you see a massive rise in loneliness at exactly the same moment you see a massive rise in social media. Yeah. Because mm. that was going to be my next question. You've already touched on it a little bit there, Tim, is that exposure on things like social media, uh, even internet communities, Reddit, all those kind of things, 
Whereas you feel understood about a particular issue. Yeah. But you don't, you're not understanding it as a person as a whole. Yeah. And I always think that, I mean, I think we know how much we focus on um, having a, a community here at Sorrow Bible. And the one thing I think I've realized is that being in community and having you not always be focused on that psychological self, that if you like, you're like almost like bouncing off other people mm. because you have to make accommodations for other people, that you, uh, it rounds you as a person. It browns you off better. Like you have to do things that are difficult. You have to do things, but you also get people that feed into you to do the same thing, like and help you out. So it's like um, it helps you round off the edge, round off the edges where you might even sometimes like if I'm a bit worried about something, I talk to someone about it. They give me a different perspective. Mm. I'm less worried about it if that makes sense. And I think that's where if we just focus on that psychological self that you've said, Tim then I'll just go down the rabbit hole of anxiety. Like yeah. as someone who has had anxiety before, you go down that rabbit hole and you just stay in it and you're just stuck in it. And, you, and then I've had situations where I've said, I'm, yeah, I'm really worried about this. And someone says, yeah, well, that's not the problem. And you're like, oh. Yeah. And then like the anxiety like relieves itself. <laughs> like that's, that's where you can get to. So it's interesting that you said, Tim, that we go, we want to look for someone exactly like us, but we're never going to figure out how to find that. Well, I find that hilarious as someone who was born on the same day at the same time <laughs> as someone <laughs> else and then had a very, very similar upbringing to that person you're and you're went to the same school <laughs> and experienced, had the same parents and the same family experience and still ended up very different people. Yeah. So I find that, yeah, I find it amusing thinking of like, turning to the internet to find that person when I'm like, I've had very similar experiences in life to someone else and we didn't turn yeah. out the same way. We so don't agree on everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you are responsible for our Friday night gathering as yeah. pastor, which is uh, skews towards young, younger generations. Yeah, I'd say the median age is probably the lowest <laughs> of any of the gatherings. I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be either. I was just, I wanted to say it in the right way because we are all age, all stage for yeah. every gathering. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see that, that there's a seeking? Because I've found like, I like to find, that I always use YouTube as the example now because that's like, that would be my main TV channel, YouTube, because I can just find things that I'm interested in. For example... I like watching ASMR videos of people washing cars or cutting grass. <laughs> and uh, what, what was the one? Uh, unclogging drains. Have you seen that, yeah. those ones? And <laughs> seen the washing rugs one? Yes, yeah. yes, washing yep. rugs. That's washing a good rugs. one. And yeah. there's, there's one other one that I, I can't think the of right now. washing driveways? Yeah, yeah. Like the, yeah, um, what's it called? People mowing. Gurney. That's really... Mowing, yeah. mowing is really good. I enjoy that one. And they, they go and mow guys... Or people's uh, lawns for free, yeah. Because they're like, "Can I film it?" And then the guy spends seven hours mowing his lawn. Seven hours. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So and he spent his up. time in yeah. um, in uh, ad revenue. Ad revenue. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and it's funny because you, you're talking about uh, Tim, like your children choosing something you don't want to watch. I think YouTube has really hyper individualized that again because my daughter. We're really atomized, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. They talk about it. it is. Like you've you've got a. Um, you can find something that's really, really niche yeah. Yeah. to you yeah. um, and you're watching. And again, this takes away that shared experience, you know, and, and again, you know, I'm, I went through high school in the 90s, you know, you had TV was, you know, 
four channels, but you really only watch three. Um, and so <laughs> when you... Are, I want to know to which school, one you're cutting out there. Oh, S- ABC. SBS. I mean, SBS didn't really count at all. <laughs> um, and ABC you didn't watch as a teenager. So it was either seven, nine or ten. And so you come to school the next day and you're pretty confident that most people at high school have watched the same show as you. Yeah. Um, and But now you've got people going home and watching their own mm. curated YouTube feed uh, or TikTok feed or whatever the hell they're spending this. I mean, you can't even keep up a track with all of the different options, yeah. right? It's and so yeah. there's no guarantee that you will go to school and have anyone other than maybe your best friend that you've been sharing links with will have watched the same thing mm. as you. Mm. Yeah. Um, which again, just takes away that, like we can all, neither of us may find that you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was the best thing on TV, but it was better than the other two options, so we watched it. Um, yeah. It may not have been what I would choose to watch if I had a million options. Yeah. But and you all watched the same episode the at same the same time. Exactly, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you had heaps of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not the same. No, I mean, as an example, my daughter, seven-year-old daughter watches YouTube videos of a, a mum in America making themed lunchboxes. Yeah, right. And it is... I'm trying to say a word that's not offensive. <laughs> it's just like, it's mind-numbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your cup of love, tea. Uh, by the way, Everly, I love you very much. But, <laughs> oh my gosh, you just put that on every single time. And I'm like, don't put that on again. <laughs> put something else on again. Anyway, my original question was, do you see that happening in the younger generations, Braden? Uh, yeah, like I think there's definitely more like Tim was um, Tim was touching on. Like I think there's more like it's beyond cultures and subcultures now. It's like is there a new word like microcultures or individual cultures? Like it's mm. just one person. Mm. Yeah. There's no emos or yeah. jock. Like jocks is an American word. There's no emos or people who are just really into NRL or something. It's like even it's more splintered and fractured than that. Yeah. Which is why I like I have a I I'll be very interested if there's ever like I always think about music. I love music a lot, but mm. I'm like, will there ever be another grunge movement? Will like there something be any that kind big? of movement, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Like right? yeah, but that's a that's a whole different question. Mm. That's yeah. a different episode, I think. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I think I just see uh, a lot of crew that have lots and lots and lots of different interests. And like, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and things move quicker. Obviously, if um, Tim was watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer one episode at a time, and they would talk about it on a Wednesday at school because it was on Tuesday night, now someone can watch binge the whole thing and watch it in a weekend. And cool, we can talk about it for an afternoon, and then we're watching something else. Mm. Like, it, I think there's a lot. There's quick. It's quicker. It's more quickly consumed, so you mm. move on quicker, and thing you get. And unless you binge with, it, with with that other person, yeah, I binge watched Buffy over the weekend. Yeah, no one else did. Yeah, so it's not a, it's not a shared experience with no, anyone else. No. So even if I go, into, even if you watch, oh yeah, I watched that a little, yeah, ten years ago. Mm. Uh, it's still not going to carry the conversation. Well, I think the, an interesting thing for me, then bringing it back to like the discussion of church, is like how often are you then experiencing something with 
say we're here on a Saturday night and there's 120 other people that aren't all exactly the, the same as me, how often do you have that experience where you're with that group of people experiencing something together and then having an opportunity to talk about it? Unless you're online. Well, right? basically, but yeah, then, it's but interesting. But it's, like it's like the online, as we're saying, is a pseudo community. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So you and you said a line there before, um, diminished if you're not actually there, Braden. Yeah. I think that plays into what you're saying there. So what what do you, what did you mean by that? Well, I guess um if we're thinking about like church and church attendance and why do we think you should go to church, um key verse here is Hebrews ten <laughs> in terms of like Exact. It's pretty clear. Well, it's like the one verse that tells you exactly, which I actually enjoy because this is the verse I did my first ever talk on. Did you? Which was on Chip Lunch. Oh, cool. At Chip Lunch. I was in year seven. Oh, very and then cool. it's also the verse that I did my talk on on my last night at youth. Oh. Um, so it is probably up there with my favorite verses because it has a lot of sentimental value. Mm-hmm. But it's Hebrews 10. Uh, whereabouts is it? 25. 25. 25. Yeah. And, well, 24. 24 for context. Okay. And let us, uh, so Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Mm. Which I think, yeah, this verse has very special place my heart and I think it also as a very as a community of soul revival and um, one of our well you've got the, the value book the here one of our values book. is love and commitment is love, love and community, community sorry yeah, that's right. and I think that aspect really highlights us being called to be in community together which I think is very encouraging mm. um, and the idea of um that you were asking the question about of there being a lack of something if you're not there is the idea that you are not only coming to church to be a blessing on yourself or and though you are being blessed yourself by being in church i think and you're not only being at church to um you're also a blessing to other people. So church isn't just a blessing for you where you're being filled and being served and learning more about God and um, growing in that connection and growing in um, your um, fruits of the spirit and things like that. You're also a blessing to the people around you by being there. And so it's an idea of it being a corporate thing as well as an individual. There is individual aspects to... um, being a Christian, but this is the communal aspect. Mm. And then from that Hebrews verse, it's saying it needs to happen, right, Tim? Yeah. Like it is important that it happens in a regular occurrence? Yeah. Mm. And we want to be careful that we don't import our modern assumption of what church is. Like I come at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning and I leave at 10, um, mm-hmm. maybe 10.30 if I've had a coffee and a milk arrow biscuit and, and <laughs> yeah. then that's kind of it. Like there's, there's a lot built into there in terms of thinking about what are some of the assumptions of what a first century church was actually doing with each other? Uh, and we get the picture, a little bit of that, through um, the Acts of the Apostles. Um, we get sto- yeah, a little bit in pictures of the other letters that Paul writes particularly, that they were sharing meals with each other, that they were spending a long time in each other's homes, and not just on the Sunday, the Lord's Day, but regularly throughout the week. So... 
I think we need to make sure that when we say, like, don't give up meeting together, it's not saying make sure you get to church for an hour every week. Yeah. It's, it's much more than that. It's, it, um, and, again, we try to atomize it. We try to make it efficient. We try and um, make it, you know, this is, this is what we're trying to do. Whereas there's a, a full-blooded picture of engaged, sacrificial, intimate community and relationship that is built into the assumptions of the writer of Hebrews and Paul and mm-hmm. others there about what it actually means to be meeting together. It's not just happen to be standing next to a room full of people facing the front, seeing the same music, hearing the same sermon, and then walking out the door. There's depth of relationship which is assumed in that verse. And um, so we need to be uh, mindful of that and not overly simplify the application of the verse is just make sure you turn up every week. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 make sure you're engaged because it's yeah. that deep engagement in relationship which is actually vital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to create a genuine community, not a pseudo community. Um, and you can have, yeah, you can have pseudo communities where you are sharing an experience with others, uh, but you actually don't care whether they're there or not. So the, the two ideas that come to mind for me is one would be like a music concert. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you happen to be moshing to the same band yeah. and then you all leave the, mm. the pub or the concert hall or whatever uh, and you have no interest in anyone else in that space. You, you yeah. don't, you've no expectation of long-term relationship, no expectation that you will see each other again. Uh, maybe an awkward wave if you notice that that person also turns up the same Maccas afterwards as when you get in your late-night snack. Like, mm. But... There's no intentional relationship with that person, even though you've shared the same experience. Yeah. Um, and we can sometimes do that in church. We yeah. can um, have the same shared experience because I've been in the same room as these other people, but I don't know who they are. I don't care who they are. I have no desire to actually engage anything past surface level with them. Uh, that would be a bad application of that Hebrews verse. There, there's a lot deep, rich stuff of community that's actually assumed there that we can sometimes miss. Yeah, and I think that's, that's I feel, that is the warning that I really resonate with is not turning church into a movie cinema. Yeah. Where you just go and you all sit there and you watch the same thing mm. and you might talk about it on the way out, but then you, that's it. Like, you, you'll talk to your friends who you directly went to see the movie with, yep. but you don't talk to anyone else in the cinema. Yep. Maybe you'll awkwardly run into them, yeah, in the bathroom or whatever. And yeah. Say, oh, <laughs> hi. But like... And that's right, we can come to church and yeah. I know three or four people. Yeah. And they're my friends. Yeah. And then and they're the only and ones everyone that else have is the people who just happen to be here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just yeah. like the other people happen to be at the movie that I went to. Yeah. Yeah, they just yeah. bought the same ticket. They just yeah. happen to have bought the same ticket. Yeah. yeah. These people just <laughs> happen to also like Jesus yeah. and are geographically close to this space. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the extent of the relationship, then I, I don't think we're fulfilling Hebrews 10. Even mm. if you were in that space every week, you wouldn't be doing what Hebrews is talking about. Mm. Yeah, well, and so you, you also mentioned like some characteristics of what a pseudo community would be like, where it's just you all turn up at the same place. What do you think some characteristics of a true community? Are? And I'll ask both of you guys this question, but mm. uh, Tim, you go first if you like, but... Yeah, what what does a real community look like, and what and what do we contribute to it, and what do we get out of it? What do we contribute to, it and what do we get out of it? Yeah, okay. Um, so we've talked before in the podcast uh, about third place characteristics. Uh, you might want to Google those 
uh, <laughs> Joel, I'm talking. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so third place community characteristics. There's, uh, there's eight characteristics of a third place community. Um, and so a third place, uh, just to catch up those who may not have heard this before, your first place is your home. Your second place is your work or school or study environment. And your third place, third places are those community spaces you choose to go to, not because you have to, because you want to and you enjoy the um, relationships that is found there. And so stereotypical suburban third places would be things like cafes, bowling alleys, Barber, maybe barbershop. barbershops, yeah. <laughs> uh, places that are, have some sort of community element to them. You know, YMCA's gyms would be a good one now uh, to talk about those kind of spaces. Um, libraries would be another really great third place. Mm. Uh, and so we've talked about uh, church being a third place and part of the way that uh, Stu has always thought about trying to create Sorrow Revival and the, the vibe of Sorrow Revival is through third place characteristics. So they would be some, have you got the... Yeah, which uh, come, we should mention comes from Ray Oldenburg and we've yes, talked about this before. Uh, there's a, a number of them. So neutral ground. So that's a, a place where, you know, we all come to meet. So that, that could be a pseudo community, right? That kind of belongs to a pseudo community, neutral ground. Yep. It's a leveling place. So it's, there's no importance on your status in society. That's right. It doesn't matter if you're a top tier lawyer or, you know, homeless person who's walking off the street. When you mm -hmm. walk, come into this space, uh, those statuses don't matter. Okay. Mm. Conversation is the main activity. Mm. Playful and happy conversation is the main focus of activity in third places. Mm -hmm. Accessibility and accommodation. So that means it's easy to get to, I think, readily accessible to anyone who wants to come. Yep. Uh, they are regulars. So that means there's a number of regulars to give the space its tone. Yes. That's what we like to call, we often call commitments in that sort of role. Yep. yep. Uh, a low profile, characteristically wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's described as. <laughs> I think that means it's not very extravagant. It's yeah, it's not, not a, ostentatious. Because it's not a huge event kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the more low-key the vibe, um, because that again creates a levelling yes. space as well. Whereas it feels really exclusive, uh, there's a bouncer on the door and he's only letting some people in, well, then that takes away from that earlier characteristic of the, there are those who are in, those who are out. So it's like, no, 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 we want a levelling. And part of levelling is actually your design, your architecture, your design, all of those kind of spaces uh, to be relatively plain. And also I think speaks to how a lot of the times when we were a youth community at Gomer Anglican, we often had a lounge room vibe. Mm. Like that was, I mean, that's probably the most relaxing but also inviting, one of the most relaxing and inviting situations you can be in is that it's like, yeah, just come sit down and we'll talk. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Uh, two more. The mood is playful. Mm. <laughs> Which goes with the conversation and yep. uh, yeah, in the main activity. And a lack of tension or hostility. Yep. And a home away from home. So you feel like there's the same feelings of warmth and possession and belonging as you would have at your own place. Yep. Mm. So I think that that's what people are striving for. People want that. And so whether it be the CrossFit gym, whether it be the cafe, whether it be the local library, mm. whether it be a YMCA, or like um, wherever those places are, people are looking for that kind of space and so that's the characteristics that Oldenburg has kind of said oh this is what they all seem to have in common is that when people feel like that and they can um and even if you're an irregular you can become a regular by just being regular but mm. you can you can become in, into there so i think that we're looking for those kinds of things um to pick up the family analogy as well uh, diana garland has written um, a lot about family ministry and so she talks about um what family 
does for those who are in the family, like a, a well-functioning family, I should say, are doing. So obviously not all families are well-functioning, but a, a good, a well-functioning family will uh, meet needs of attachment and belonging, mm. uh, share life purposes, emotional and physical care. So that's the second one. And then the third one is provide a help base that might be knowledge, resources, time, etc. So... This is what you're getting out, but also it requires that you're putting in as well. Yeah. So you are providing attachment and belonging to others as well as receiving it from yourself. Uh, it's great when you can receive help from others, but you're also offering help mm. as well. Uh, with you, you share the life purposes. There's something that's uniting you and, and pushing you forward, uh, which obviously in a church is going to be you know, something around discipleship, mm growing in faith together, growing in the love of Jesus, love of each other, those kinds of things. So a, a well-functioning family is working like that. Uh, and so if we take that idea of family and then we use the family household language to say, well, actually, this is what God is leading us into. If you know, Jesus says, uh, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? It's those who gather around me, who you know, follow me and my disciples. So that's who we are. We're in the household of faith, the household of God. Paul talks about, I think it's in 1 Timothy. Uh, and so they're the kind of things that we can put in. But again, it requires us to uh, be in proximity with those who are unlike ourselves, mm. um, who may not be the ones we always choose to be with. Just like there may be people in your, you know, you get together as a big family Christmas, there may be people in that room that you would not choose to be with, but they are family. And then there's, therefore, I think most of us would still feel there's some sort of obligation to family. Uh, and so there's still that lingering thing, I think, from um, in culture. Uh, some of that is what's going on with church as well, that I feel an obligation to these people. I, it matters to me uh, where they're at, how they're going, you know, and I'm engaged in genuine relationship with them. Hmm. Anything to add, Brent? Yeah, I think that intentionality that comes along with those aspects is what excites me so much. Like it's that. like the idea that in some communities you will have some of these aspects. Mm. They will just naturally happen. Or even in some families, whether functioning well or not, will sometimes have some of these characteristics. But it's the idea of intentionally as a Christian family thinking about that and then executing it, which is, again, harder easier said than done <laughs> but it's the idea of talking about it and thinking about it and i'm um, focusing on it as a community i find really exciting and really um yeah like so we've been chatting about things that i guess could quite easily just get chucked in the discipleship box which they do belong in but then you think about um both joel and i have had the experience of coming to soul revival as a non-christian first yeah and i think about how these things are discipleship. They are things that we're thinking about as Christians of how we can love the other Christians in our community. But I think it's also important not to underplay how much of a witness, a beautiful witness that can be to people who don't know Jesus coming into that community. And how, and how as things get more individualistic um, in the secular, in, in, in the world as a general the world in general, that these things will become more of a powerful witness like to people who don't know 
Jesus. Yeah. They'll become yeah. more stark and more different and therefore more intriguing. Mm. And I think... That's a really fascinating, positive way to look at it. Yeah. Well, like, I, again, I'm talking for me and Joel and I don't need to, but like I remember coming to Soul Revival and walking in and seeing a community and being like, wow, this is so interesting. Mm. Like people are really invested in me and it hasn't got anything to do with the fact I like a certain type of music or the shoes I'm wearing or the fact that we're the similar age or the fact we both care about the same sport. It's like, oh, I wonder why they do care about me. Mm. Jesus. Yeah. And then you investigate that. But I yeah. think it's just something that um, can't be underplayed for how much of a cool witness it can be to people who don't know Jesus. So we are talking about something that is discipleship in our own community focus in terms of the church and I think that the church is the people of God mm. and we're talking about it in discipleship but that doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with mission because I'm sure we talked about uh, discipleship and mission are two fun categories but they are very much yeah, yeah, involved yeah. in the same thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. that I, I hadn't thought of that I really like that positive slant on it Brayden of I mean there's a lot of discussion amongst Christians that Attendances are dropping, as you're saying. Yeah. One out of four. One, what is it? One every four weeks is yeah, what's yeah. considered a regular churchgoer. Yeah. And we're concerned about how less and less people are going to church. But, and we say, oh, it's because we, there are some arguments because culture has changed and we have to be relevant and all those kind of things. And some, I think there is some truth to that. But to say, here is an attractive alternative. Why is that an attractive alternative? It's because of Jesus, I think is really powerful. Mm. Um, and I hadn't thought of that. Uh, Tim, do you have anything to add to that? Because I think that's really exciting. I mean, I always like the phrase that you came up with a few seasons ago on the Shock Absorber about being confident Christians. Mm. Maybe when well, we were often talking about what we can do as a church and we need our regular church goers to turn up, on, turn up, but if we want other people to know about Jesus and come to church, then we might need to show that we're going to be regular as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, if, if a regular... You need the regulars in a community for mm. the irregulars to have mm. some confidence that this is a functional community. If everyone is irregular, then it's not actually a community at all. Um, no. And so... It's a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, and no one cares. Um, so you definitely do need people to be regular. So, And I think that's that's true. The That point about it being attractive to the outsider I think is really really important and this is particularly important when it comes to we talk a lot about our intergenerationality and the your friends with people who are outside of your age group and peer group mm -hmm. and that is countercultural uh, and in therefore raises the interest yeah. so the yeah. first level is people come and visit then maybe the invite of a friend and they've kind of looked around and like you said Braden they've kind of oh this is curious there's a whole lot of people here who are different to me yeah. and different to each other and yet are forming some something is going on here where they actually enjoy each other mm. and like each other <laughs> and have genuine relationships with each other that's weird but they're also different right that, and they're also different so clearly mm. it's not just because they all love the same soccer team yep. uh, that would make sense they don't all just love the same band that would make sense yeah. uh they're not always all the same age that would make sense um there's something else going on. What is the thing that is drawing them all together? And you realise, well, that's Jesus. Oh, that's really curious. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that that starts that intrigue for the other person from a missional point of view that gets them 
uh, interest and then the warmth of that community to them as an irregular to come and say, hey, we, we really value you. Not as a target, not as a KPI of I've got enough, get enough Christians across the line this year or whatever. It's just I actually genuinely like you as a person. Yeah. Um, and as you come and join this community, we're going to share with you the most exciting thing in our lives, which is the faith in Jesus. Yeah. Um, it'd be really wonderful if you wanted to consider that for yourself as well. Um, but it's not a bait and switch. It's like I, I genuinely care about you. So yeah. I think that's really, really key. Um, the other thing I was just thinking, and um, I'm going to have to finish up soon, uh, is just, but get on to Fuse. <laughs> but to think about um, the actually coming together as a church and being regular is not doesn't just have functional benefit, yeah. uh, but it is also a true expression of who we really are. And so I think that that's really key as well, that um, Christianity is a team sport. Um, John Chapman, um, who was a great Sydney evangelist, died about a decade ago. He used to say that being a Christian is like playing netball. Um, you can't play netball by yourself. And if you see someone shooting hoops, you go, what are you doing? Oh, I play netball. Oh, who do you play for? I don't play for a team. I just play by myself in my front yard. It's like, oh, you're not really playing netball, are you? <laughs> um, you, you can only say you'll play netball if you're in a team and you actually play netball. Uh, he said it's the same with a Christian. You might say, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't. I just have my Spotify playlist and my podcast and I sit on the beach by myself and talk to God. So, mm, okay, but you're not really expressing who you actually are as a Christian. Uh, we are designed for community. Um, Jesus, and there's a quote I've used before, Joseph Hellerman um, talks about, we are saved to community. Yeah. Um, it's actually a, a key part of who we are. Yes, personal relationship with Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah, but also in that same moment, reconciled to the other people who are in his family as well. And so to not express that yeah. in relationship and in community is to deny what is actually true of you. You are actually in relationship with these people. Uh, they are actually your family in Christ. Uh, and so to not express that is to deny it. Uh, it'd be like saying, oh, what, which family are you in? Oh, I'm in the Beelharts family. Oh, great. What did you do in your last family gathering? Oh, I don't go to family gatherings. I don't yeah. go to family Christmases. I don't go to birthdays. Um, well, to what extent are you really part of the Beelharts family then? Yeah. Um, so no, no, no you, you must express it. Otherwise, you're actually denying it to the extent that you have possibility. And obviously, there's always hard yeah. cases. But yeah, I think that's a really key part as well, that we're, it's not just functionally helpful. It is generally part of who we are. Yeah, I, I have a quote here. I didn't write down who said it, but I'm sure it was someone. And it says, <laughs> <laughs> it says, if you understand what church is for, then you will be there. Yeah, like, right. Ah. So I find that very interesting. So that's saying that if uh, it, people are misunderstanding, are misconstruing what church is actually for. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, obviously, as Tim um, briefly mentioned, like, there's, there's some people who can't physically come to church yeah. and... Uh, have lots of things going on in their lives, and I totally understand that. But, but if I you're able to come, but if you're able to come, then um, and be a part of uh, uh, Jesus-shaped, Jesus-centered community, I think it's something that's really important, and I think um, stressed in the Bible as important. So, mm. yeah, I think I was I had a quick look on what some third places might be that aren't. Uh, churches 
and there's a Sydney Morning Herald article saying Sydney does have hidden third places, which is interesting. Mm. So it mentions, well, it says, are they actually here? <laughs> uh, weekend markets, they say, is, is one of them. Okay. Walk, walking routes, which I'm like, oh, kind of. Yeah, I get that. I feel irregulars? like that's more there's of a lot of irregulars. Friendly, yeah, that's more of a friendly stranger thing. Isn't yeah, it? Mm. city parks. Can yeah, I kind of understand the beach strip? Like any like lengths of, I suppose with all the cafes and bars and things. Because if there. you go at exactly the same time every week and someone else goes, at yeah. Exactly well, the same that's the time the next one is your local week. where everyone goes. So that, <laughs> that was interesting. But then I also found an article uh, here saying that many lower income Americans feel isolated and empty. And across across the US, that uh, some of it is being expressed by going to McDonald's. Oh, interesting. Because there's a meeting place to go and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a leveler. Yes. That's, yeah. So that's that's interesting. But I think they're places where things could happen, but they're also places where you see a lot of people walking with AirPods in. Yep, that's <laughs> so a that's a yeah. good point, isn't it? Yep. And even a gym is like that. Yeah. Right? People go to the gym and put their headphones on because yep. they don't want to be bothered by anyone. Yep. Got to get the workout down. Got to get out. Kind of thing, and but some people are going there to look for community as well. Mm. So I suppose final question: How do you move towards a more? Uh, we've used a lot of different words, but like a more cohesive, a more contributive uh, community at church. How do we fight against that uh, individualism, consumerism idea? Is it and the, the how important the proximity thing is too? So there's a lot of questions in there. Sorry, <laughs> but how how do we how do we make that more like the Hebrews verse that we just read, and less like the world, so that it is that attractive countercultural proposition to people who don't know Jesus? Who wants to go first on that one? <laughs> how do we create the community? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I just ask that? Why did you just ask that, Joel? <laughs> um, well, how do we work towards it? Yeah. Uh, here's some answers I prepared earlier because um, <laughs> I've written on this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, like some questions. This is kind of what I've written in an article. Like we can link this if we want. But uh, one of the questions to ask is how well do you know other members of your church? Like, mm. You know, do you feel that you belong to them and they belong to you? Like, you know, do you know their not just their basic facts, but things about their lives and what they do and who's in their family and things that interest them? And yeah, you know, have you spent time with them? Uh, and when you need help, are they the people that you immediately go to to ask for help? Because that again brings in that family dynamic. If yep. if the community is a place, family is a place where you can both receive help and give help. Of the church people, the people you would go to and actually ask for help. I heard someone recently talk about the one of the greatest ways to build a relationship is to uh, vulnerably ask for help from someone else, mm. not just not to be the offerer of help, uh, but to actually ask someone else. But because it, it puts you in the position of the vulnerability and needing someone else to help you, and so that that's a great way of forming relationships. Mm. Mm. Um, and then particularly from a spiritual point of view, do you trust the people in your church to be vulnerable with them about the, you know, the things that you struggle with and the, thing, you know, the sins that you have and those kinds of things? And so uh, to try and take that further, uh, you know, try and think rather than, uh, you know, after church this week, rather than bouncing between a few short conversations, try and have one or two longer conversations 
Um, now we facilitate this at our church by doing a lot of meals, so that helps facilitate those long mm-hmm. conversations. But even if your church doesn't have meal time, even if it's just morning tea time, just dig deep with one person uh, mm-hmm. and really get to know them well rather than sort of bouncing between a whole lot of surface-level conversations with about 10 different people and then going home. So that might be a really uh, good way of doing it. Um, and also test that vulnerability piece. Actually see whether you're, you know, do it in a way that you, know, you, you feel safe, but test out. Can I trust this person with a little bit of vulnerability, with a little bit of here's how I'm going and is that reciprocated? You know, just try some things like that, just to start to build that sense of community, um, both your sense. I think one of the key things to, if I really value church, uh, it really pains me to think of a week that I wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, if I was going to miss it, that would be a massive loss for me. And if, if regularity is once a month, I think that it seems like that for a number of people, a loss of church for a week is not a significant loss. Not a big enough cost. No, it's not a big enough cost. Yeah, so that would be a key thing, just to do a heart check. If you were to miss church for a week, is that, is that a loss for you or is it, oh, that's cool, I'll catch up next week. Mm. Um, and if it's just, a, oh, cool, I'll catch up next week or the week after, or the week after, like whatever, it doesn't really matter, it's probably a good indication that you are not deeply embedded in that community uh, to, to a genuine extent. Mm. Yeah, okay. Anything to add, Brent? Yeah, I think... Um Community can be really hard, whether it's um, church or a whole bunch of other things. Like uh, my, I see my parents aren't Christian. I see sometimes like they deal a lot in the so- they used to deal a lot in the soccer club, and I see the amount of fights that go on there. And you think about things there that don't really matter, and the amount of fighting that goes on. And then you like look at church and you're like, wow, this really matters. So of course, there's going to be conflicts there. And there's going to be things that are hard, mm. and that's the pot. That's the thing that happens when there's lots of different types of people somewhere that there's going to be conflict but i think the encouraging thing that i find overall that outweighs that so much is the fact that first of all we are unified in christ as one and so we have that massive advantage um to begin with as we step into Mm. community but also you're able to enrich each other's lives through that which i think is the very encouragement and what we've been talking about this whole time like so um so cool to have to have a shared shared identity with everyone that is based in Christ, and therefore through that we are reconciled to have a relationship with each other. Like we've been reconciled through Jesus to have been reconciled with God, but we've also been reconciled to each other, which I think is very encouraging. Mm. Yeah, um, and that's not, and we're not sitting here going, "You should go to church, and it's always going to be easy." It's like, <laughs> no, you should go to church, and you're going to get some stuff out of it, but and other people are going to get stuff out of. You being there, and it's not always going to be easy, but it is worthwhile. Yeah, I think anything of value is not easy. Yeah. I think we, I think the things that we actually want, we actually have to work hard for. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing, and I think, I think we are taught that in the Bible as well. There's, it's going to be like being a Christian is hard mm-hmm. sometimes, but there are so much of a greater value to be a blessing to other people and to yourselves, which is. Again, that Hebrews versus way, that's what it's actually talking about. Yeah. Well, it's been fantastic, guys. Thank, Thank you for you. the discussion. Thank you for the idea, Brandon, oh, no of bringing it straight from college and hot <laughs> off the presses. And then we're going to talk about it. So that was yeah. really cool. So thanks, bro. All good. And thank you again, Tim, as always, for your contributions. We Pleasure appreciate much. you. Uh, and thank you to li- the listeners 
Thank you to our producer, Eck. If you do have any questions, email them to me at joel at shockersorbit.com.au or chuck them in the comments on our YouTube channel and uh, we can continue the discussion, which is what this podcast is about. Anyway, thank you very much. And as always, we'll finish with a one way. One way.